0: Thank you, Jordan, for that. Have you enjoyed our young people this morning? Yeah. The fifth Sunday of every, uh, when we have a fifth Sunday throughout the year, uh, we try to get our young people involved in doing music and uh, other areas. And so I'm thankful that uh, they participated this morning. It's important that they get involved in church. Let me say that again. It's important that they get involved in church. Um, they're involved in a lot of things and a lot of extracurricular activities and events that take place in their life. And it's important that they understand the meaning and the importance of Sunday and coming to church. And, uh, and, and then also uh, feeling affirmation that they're a part of something. And uh, that's very important, and so uh, I'm thankful for that. thankful for Pastor Parker working with them and uh, preparing them for Sundays like this and for the parents that bring them and all those that are involved. Thank you for uh, taking time with your young people. John chapter number 8 this morning. Uh, I'm going to actually ask you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Uh, just one verse apiece, though. John chapter number 8. ...and John chapter number 13, John chapter number 8, and John chapter number 13. Today we are continuing our series on the journey. And uh, we've been looking at metaphors throughout the Word of God. And today, um, specifically on purpose of this particular date is the last day in July. And uh, as we prepare to uh, walk into the August, uh, the month of August with uh, back to school... ...and uh, back to uh, normalcy of somewhat. Uh, We've covered a lot of ground over the past uh, few weeks... uh, ...looking at different metaphors in the Word of God. But today I want to take a few moments and I want to share with you... ...one that I believe is overlooked. uh, One that we talk a lot about but we never apply it to our lives. One that is not necessarily a preaching moment. You won't walk away from here this morning thinking to yourself, that's probably the best sermon I've ever heard in my life. Uh, It's more of a teaching moment. It's more of an application uh, moment. And uh, today I want to talk about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, we've talked about, you know, discipleship, and you can talk about being a disciple, but you got to understand something, that Jesus Christ had many disciples, but there were only 12 that totally committed to him. There were only 12 out of all of the people that said that they were followers of Jesus Christ that actually committed themselves wholeheartedly to him, wholeheartedly to his ministry. In fact, uh, these 12 were the only ones that followed Jesus Christ everywhere he went. They literally forsook everything in their lives to follow Jesus Christ. And so you think about the multitudes that would come... We talked about a few weeks ago about uh, the 5,000 men uh, plus women and children that Jesus Christ uh, broke bread and fed. You think about uh, the followers that were in such great number that he couldn't even stay on shore. He had to get in a boat and push out to be able to get away from the crowds. You think about the crowds that followed him everywhere he went. So much that he could not even see all the people when someone touched the hem of his garment. And he said, who was that? You think about all the thousands and ten thousands and possibly millions of people that followed Christ. But there were only twelve disciples. You see, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, being a disciple of God... ...is something that begins within us... ...and then it begins to work within us... ...and becomes an exterior. Uh, It becomes... ...it it rationalizes itself on the outside... and, ...and it takes us over completely. You understand that in order to be a real disciple of Jesus Christ... ...there is sacrifice that is going to take place... ...and there is a great commitment. The word disciple simply means... Learner or pupil. Today we're going to focus on the relationship between the master teacher, the Lord Jesus Christ, and us as his pupils. Literally a disciple is someone who is a learner of Jesus Christ. Who wants to continue to learn the way that God would have them to go in their life. Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, demonstrate two different types of disciples, when Jesus visited in their home, Martha bustled around in service while Mary simply sat at jesus 's feet Luke chapter ten. We learned that when Martha complained of Mary's lack of service, Jesus gently rebuked Martha's lack of listening. And this is what he said, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Did you see that? One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from. From her. What did she choose? She chose to sat, sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. She chose to sit and listen. The Bible says this Be still and know what? That I am God. Be still and know that I am God. It is a learning point, it is a moment of learning. This week, uh, we went and met teachers at the school. And uh, when we walked in, do you know that they had desks? And, and, and this is what the teacher said to me. She said, th- these were her exact words. She said, the first few months of school, I am very, and this is the word she used, militant. All right, I like you already. She said, I'm she said now I won't send them home crying. She said, they won't be upset, but they'll know, listen, who's in charge. Right? That's important for a child to know who's in charge. And then she said this, which trumped everything. She said this. She said, the reason I'm militant the first few months is, she said, because I can always soften. She said, I can never harden once I've lost them. And then she said this. She said, I do all of that to create a learning environment. And you know what I think of when I think of Jesus and us being a disciple of Christ? We often wonder, why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult to be a follower of Christ? Why are there always problems that arise in my life? Why, why does it seem like my life is so difficult? When everyone around me seems to be having the time of their life, why is my life so difficult? Because God is creating within us A learning environment to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's important that we take those moments and allow them to be teachable. Taking time to simply sit at the feet of Jesus and listen as he speaks is the attitude of disciple. And Jesus invites us all in Matthew chapter number 11 and verse 28 and 29. Come unto me, he says, and learn of me. If you have your Bibles and you're at John chapter number 8, would you stand with me? John chapter number 8, verse 31. John chapter number 8 and verse 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my what? If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, by the way, indeed. Indeed. Now, turn with me to John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13, and look with me in verse 35. Verse 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have what? Love one to another. May we say our prayer. Father, we love you. I pray that you'll bless the few moments of time that we have today. Lord, I pray that you'll encourage us on this difficult subject of being a disciple of Jesus Christ... And, and really understanding what it means. Lord, my, my mere words will not uh, be able to accomplish that. It is going to take the Holy Spirit of God discerning uh, in our hearts what it really means to be a disciple. And then not only is it going to take the Holy Spirit of God to discern it, but it's going to take us to decide that we are in fact going to take that challenge and become a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'll bless our time. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us, for it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Number one, if you're in the habit of taking notes, on the back of your bulletin there's an outline. Number one, a disciple is called. A disciple is called. He is called by God to be... A disciple of Jesus Christ. And by the way, God calls all of us to be a disciple. It's whether or not we answer it. You know, it's kind of like the other day I was, uh, I, I, was, uh, I was somewhere. I don't even remember where I was at. And my phone rang and I looked at it and these were the words I said. I said, I don't know who this is. And I pressed the end button. I know you've never done that. But I did. Because I was in the middle of something. I pressed it and I said, I didn't know who that was. I I, I decided not to take the phone call. Then someone left a voicemail and I realized that it was important. So I had to return the phone call immediately. You know what? That's exactly the way it is with our lives. God calls all of us and we make the choice whether or not to accept the call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We all make the, the, the decision whether or not we are going to sell out completely to him. Jesus had many disciples... But he had 12 whom he specifically called to him and specifically chose to teach and to train. Luke chapter number 6, you'll find that. The calling uh, uh, these 12 disciples received applies to us uh, today. And it involves two simple parts. It involves two simple parts. Number one, to be with him. So a called disciple means that we have to be with him. We have to be with Christ. Answering Christ's call To be a disciple meant witnessing firsthand his working miracles and meeting the needs of those whom no one else could help. Can I tell you that when you answer the call of Jesus Christ to be his disciple, look at me church, it is not going to be an easy and it's not going to be a task that that everyone's going to decide that they want to do because it's dirty work. It's it's a discipling, it's a hands-on, it sometimes gets rough, it sometimes gets troublesome. But the truth is, is that if you're doing what God has called you to do, then there's no greater joy. There's no greater joy. You see, it's firsthand witnessing the working of Jesus Christ and helping people that no one else could help. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him heal the afflicted. They they saw him feed the multitudes. They saw him calm the raging sea. They saw him restore the dead to life. These are the disciples. They saw Jesus Christ ...do wonderful miracles. The disciples heard his words of comfort and rebuke. In those days the disciples stayed with Jesus and followed him wherever he went. And I can apply that even today as we have the Holy Spirit of God working in and through us. We make the decision whether or not every day to follow Jesus Christ... We make the decision every day whether or not we're going to wake up and do what it is that God has called us to do. You say, Pastor, I don't wake up in the morning and say, well, today I'm not going to serve God. You may not say it verbally, but we say it with our actions. We say it with the things that we do. You understand that that our daily discipleship is not a Sunday morning worship service or a Wednesday night Bible study. Our daily discipleship with Jesus Christ is me feeding myself in the word of God and getting alone with him in prayer and supplication and really finding out who God is and who he wants me to be. It is a daily relationship relationship. Today the Lord, through the person of the Holy Spirit, indwells all Christian believers and is present with us at all times. And we can walk with him and talk with him anytime that we need him. Romans chapter number 8, the Bible says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Verse number 11, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, The Holy Spirit of God, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Listen to me, church. We have a responsibility because we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit of God to be disciples of Jesus Christ, to be with him. The Holy Spirit indwells every person who has trusted Christ as their savior. He is always with us. And he desires that we would always be aware of his presence. Listen to me, church. What I'm about to say is not something that, that is, uh, is exciting or, or, is, or, or is something that we even like to hear. But truth is truth. Listen, everywhere you go, everything that you do, everything that you see, everything that you touch, everything that you hear, the Holy Spirit of God is there. Do you understand that? You see, you, you, can't, you can't get in your car and ask him to stay there while you go in. Are you with me? You, you can't. You can't ask him to go on vacation. He is always there. He indwells you. He is with you. We love that verse. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We love that verse. But can I tell you, that's 24 hours, seven days a week. It's not just in your time of need. It is all the time. He is with you. He indwells you. In order to be a disciple of Christ, you have to be aware of the presence of God. Not only to be with him, but let her be. To be like him. To be like him. My life should emulate Jesus Christ. My life should emulate Jesus Christ. I'm excited about a point here, so I'm going to rush to it. All right, here we go. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 6 and verse 40. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. In this sense, the word perfect means complete. One who is what he ought to be. The disciple is one who is continually becoming more like his master. Did you see that? The disciple is one who is, what's the next word? It's an action word to continually becoming more like the master. The disciples of Jesus were like him and people noticed The people around the fire charged Peter with knowing Jesus because they said, Thy speech bewareth thee. Do you remember, Peter? The Bible tells us that Jesus told him before the cock crows three times, You will deny me. And here is his third time of declaration saying that, Listen, I don't know who Jesus is They they caught him by the fire and they said, your speech tells us that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, in Matthew 26 and verse 73. And after a while came unto him that they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bewareth thee. The word beware means clear, evident, or manifested. It was obvious to them that Peter was the disciple because of the way he talked tragically, Peter chose that moment to curse and swear in an effort to prove that he did not even know Jesus. But it was too late. His speech had already given him away. To be like Jesus. The very words that come out of my mouth, the very things that I do should emulate Jesus Christ. When people hear us talk, would they say, you are one of them, a disciple of Christ. You know Jesus. We can tell by the way you talk. This is the point I wanted to get to, and, and it's just something that the Lord gave to me that I, I've never even thought about before. Christians should strive to be like Christ. What should we be? We should be a high-quality copy which cannot be distinguished from the original. Did you see that? We are conformed to the image or copied from the likeness ...of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be in the image. We are to be a copy... ...which cannot be distinguished from the original. When people look at us... ...they should say, aren't you a Christian? They should say, aren't you a follower of Jesus Christ? They shouldn't say, aren't you a North Pointer? Right? They shouldn't say, aren't you a Bible thumper or whatever? They should say, aren't you a Christian? What is a Christian? It is someone who is a high quality copy... ...which cannot be distinguished from the original. Uh, uh, You know, we have a, a, a copy machine here at the church... ...and it amazes me, because I'm not in that industry... ...but it amazes me how that if you print something from your computer... To the, printing, ...to the copier... ...and then you take that same print... ...and you put it on the copier... ...and you make a copy of it. It's two totally different color tones. I don't understand it. So I always go back to my computer... ...and print it from my computer... ...so that I get the color tones that I want. Why? Because I want it to look like... ...what it looks like on my computer. A high quality copy... Which cannot be distinguished from the original. When people look at me, there, there was an old song that used to be sung that said, "When the world looks at you, do they see Jesus? When the world looks at you, do they see Jesus? A true disciple of Jesus Christ will be will emulate and be that copy that cannot be distinguished." Secondly of all, this is the part we none of us like. A, a true disciple is criticized. A true disciple is criticized. Personal criticism, extremely hard to accept. But Jesus, the perfect son of God, was severely criticized while he was here on earth. Everything he did displeased the Pharisees somehow... They didn't like his healing people on the Sabbath day. They didn't like his eating with the publicans and the sinners. They didn't like his claiming that I and my father are one. And the list goes on and on. The Pharisees did not like Jesus. And can I tell you something? If people have a problem with Jesus, a problem with who he is, the perfect son of God, certainly they're going to find a problem with me. Certainly they're going to find a way to criticize me. Certainly they're going to say, uh, 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 why why are you doing things like you're doing and and saying things against me and saying things that are hurtful? And we wonder, why does does the world hate me? The world hates me because they hated Jesus. That's exactly who we are. We are to be like him. And, And the Pharisees, they were displeased with everything that he did. Jesus taught us, ...to expect criticism for the sake of being his disciple... ...and even to appreciate criticism as an honor. Appreciate it as an honor. Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you... ...and say all manner of evil against you for my sake. Rejoice, the Bible says, and be exceeding glad... ...for great is your reward in heaven... ...for so persecuted they were the prophets which are before you. Listen, I I believe with all my heart that in America we have no idea what it really means to be persecuted for Christ's sake. We, We have no idea. But can I tell you something? When someone criticizes you for coming to church, when someone criticizes you for taking a stand for Jesus Christ, can I tell you what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to be rejoice and be exceeding glad. For great is your reward. Criticism is going to take place. First of all, there's going to be corporate criticism. They're going to criticize us corporately. And I want to be very cautious here. But I'm also going to be very forthright. I believe with all my heart that in the coming days and months, the church is going to be continually criticized. I believe that we're seeing a shift in America where, where literally uh, 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 God was still somewhat a part of America and a part of who we are. But I think the makeup is, 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 is transcending in the fact that we are losing uh, 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 that, that battle because we are not standing up for what is right and because we are afraid of the criticism. Are you with me? I know it's warm. Just hang on. We, we as a church are, are struggling because we do not stand up corporately for what is right in America. We don't stand up for what is right in our own state of Georgia. We don't stand up for what is right in our own city of Carrollton. Listen, it, 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 is, it is who we are and we should expect criticism we should expect it corporately if we're standing up being a true disciple. By choosing to be a disciple of Christ, you automatically align yourself with a group that is often criticized. It's often criticized. We read in the book of Acts of the persecutions encountered by the early church. Uh, aside from anything they did individually, early Christians were persecuted simply because they were a member of the group. They, they were a member of the group, and so they were criticized for being a Christian. The Bible says, and they were first called Christians at what? Antioch. And why were they called Christians at Antioch? Because they were Christ-like, and people criticized that. And then they became a group, and, and, and they became the church, and, and God ordained it. And people said, just because you're a part of that, we're going to criticize you. Although, while, uh, although we will be criticized, disciples of Christ ought not to be concerned ...about accusations. We are to be in the world... ...but we are not to be of the world. We cannot concern ourselves with the accusations. Our job is to make sure that we are remaining faithful... ...and that we are doing exactly what God has called us to do. God has left us here to live for Him. As the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ... ...we stand together as a group... And we need to accept that sometimes our group will have and be criticized. Let her be, and I'm going to hurry here. We can expect criticism not only corporately but individually. We can, ex- we can expect criticism individually. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer what? Persecution. It's going to happen. We are going to suffer Persecution. Living for Jesus may cause you to be criticized, may cause you to be persecuted. And there are times that the persecution will be personal. I can tell you this from from experience in my own life. And some of you have probably experienced it in your life. People know how to say things to really hurt you. People know how to do things to really hurt you and harm you. And it's even more escalated when it's within your own family sometimes. That the persecution comes, or what we would call persecution. Can I tell you something this morning, church? If you feel like everybody is against you, and you feel like the world is against you, but you're doing what God wants you to do, can I remind you that you have a heavenly Father that seeks... ...and has your approval. Who who wraps and will wrap his loving arms around you... ...and draw you close to him. And when it seems like that nobody cares... ...can I remind you, Jesus cares. He cares for you. Stephen, the first Christian martyr... ...was accused of being a blasphemer. Paul was pointed out individually... ...as being a troublemaker. Jason, who had taken Paul in and cared for him... ...was persecuted. As a matter of fact, he was martyred... ...for his very compassion naturally we'd rather not be criticized we tend to take criticism personally and allow it to wound us even when we know the criticism is for Christ's sake but we need to understand that we cannot seek the friendship of the world just to avoid persecution you see this is a real disciple of Jesus Christ you say pastor this doesn't sound fun this doesn't sound like something that I want to run out and do because you're, 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 first of all, you talk about uh, our sacrifice that we have to make. And now you're talking about the criticism that we will take. And, and, and how is that it, it, it worth it? Can I tell you something this morning, church? We should not live for this world. We should live for the next. Th- this is all that we do here on earth is just for where we get to heaven. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Listen, I'm laying up treasures. I'm doing everything that I do on here on this earth for heaven. And I think we lose sight of that. I think we lose sight of the fact that that every day that we live, we're not living for ourselves, we're living for God and we're living for heaven. Are you with me? We've got to get our focus changed. That that I'm not living, and I hear people say this all the time, Pastor, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm living day to day. I'm living to survive. Don't live to survive. Live to thrive when we get to heaven. That's what I'm living for. My my conditions down here on earth may not be that great, but I have a mansion waiting on me. My my friendships in my life may not be that great here on earth, but I've got the heavenly Father that's going to greet me when I get there. ...that's what I'm living for. We need to take our eyes off of the conditions of our heart... ...and the conditions of our life... ...and put them on Jesus Christ. Not only will the world persecute you... ...but unfortunately other believers may also criticize you... ...for being a true disciple of Christ. I find this to be true as well... ...that that even in our own realm and even our own lives... That even Christians will criticize us. I, I kidded uh, 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 the church where I grew up. Our pastor. This is what he would say. Someone would come down and they would accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. And they would get all excited. And, and literally they, they thought they could win the world themselves. I mean it was like it, it was this excitement. Do you remember that day? You Remember that excitement that you had? you remember that? And my pastor would get up, and he would stand in the pulpit. My pastor was a very wise and godly man, but he had no emotion, zero. He would stand in the pulpit behind it. He would read his scripture. He would preach to you, and we all go home. But the only time that you saw real emotion in him is when he'd say, so-and-so accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And then he'd look at the congregation like this, and he would say, don't pour a bucket of water on them, please. Don't put the fire out. What was he saying? He was saying that there are so many Christians that criticize. We get in our groups and we look at the other Christians. Right? Are you with me? And we say, oh, look at what they're doing wrong. Look at that group over there. What are they thinking? Are they trying to run the church? Well, I'll go talk to the pastor about that. Or this group over here is saying, why are they getting so involved? What are they doing? What is their reason? Right? Are you with me? Oh, you see, we, we, we tend to criticize our own brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, when you walk through the doors of North Point Baptist Church, don't come to criticize, come to encourage. Come to lift up. We get enough criticism and persecution all week long, we shouldn't come here for it. It it should be a place that we lift up. You see, if you are more serious about living for Christ than they are, they may feel guilty. They may react by lashing out against you. There, there's criticism that takes place, unfortunately, in the church. And I don't need to be very cautious here, but the truth of the matter is, is that there's criticism from church to church. From pastor to pastor. If you want to talk about another pastor, please do it to somebody else because I don't want to hear about it. I'm just being honest with you. You say, why, Pastor? Because this is what God has called me to do. And I'm doing exactly what God's called me to do. And people are going to criticize me for what I'm doing. And this pastor over there might be doing exactly what God's called him to do. And he realizes that people are going to criticize him. Listen, God God made a a multitude of churches. He made a, a multitude of personalities. He made a multitude of ideas. What we got to figure out is how to get on the same team so that we can win people for Christ. Listen, stop being critical of your brother and sister. Listen, I have three boys, and my two youngest ones, they have learned how to fight. They've got it figured out. I mean, it went from a little disagreement to learning how to use our fists. That's not good, by the way. You know, and can I tell you, I didn't teach them how to do that. We didn't have a lesson on how to fight. They figured it out. Do you know that when one of them hits the other one, and the other one comes running and crying, Dad. And I'll say, what happened? And he'll say, Samuel hit me. And I'll say where, and he'll say right here. And then I'll hear, but dad, but dad, but dad, but dad. And here comes the other one. Get him into the same room. And then I'll say this. Say you're sorry. Sorry. Whoa, whoa, where are you going? Come back over here. Hug. (laughs) Huh? Hug. Hug. But hug. What, what am I trying to say? Can I tell you something? Listen to me, church. This is something that I know very well. When everyone else forsakes you, hopefully your brother will still be there. Right? When the whole world forsakes you, hopefully your brothers and sisters in Christ will be there this should not be a place of criticism this should be a place of encouragement in lifting up and showing the love of Jesus Christ Acts chapter 13 but when the Jews saw the multitudes they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul contradicting and blaspheming they were losing their followers to Paul. And so they went after him verbally, speaking against him, contradicting him, blaspheming, and criticizing him. But Paul remained faithful in the face of criticism, just as we should. Number three, and I'm going to be done. A disciple is commissioned. A disciple is commissioned. A disciple is given a commission. We are told to do something. God has commissioned his disciples with specific tasks to complete. First of all, we're to learn. We're to learn. We're to learn about our Savior. We're to learn about Jesus Christ. A true disciple is a constant learner. The disciples had special opportunities to learn directly from the Lord Jesus. He explained things to them and taught them things that he did not share with the multitudes. Many times Jesus spoke in parable to the multitudes and Jewish leaders. And then when alone with his own disciples, he would explain the meaning ...of these parables. Mark chapter 4. And with many such parables spake he the word unto them... ...as they were able to hear it. Then verse 34. But without a parable spake he not unto them... ...and when they were alone he expounded all things to his disciples. Can I tell you that's exactly why we have the Holy Spirit of God... ...to expound the things that we read and that we hear... ...and that are taught to us to help us to be able to be a better disciple... ...and to have understanding and learning... The Christian is to study to show thyself approved unto God. The Greek word translated study means to give diligence to exert oneself or to make haste to apply oneself. Study to show thyself approved. Therefore, in order to educate ourselves, we must apply ourselves to study with diligence the word of God. You say, Pastor, you've been hitting on this all summer long. what are you trying to get at? I'm trying to get at the fact that I believe with all my heart that we are lacking in this area of studying the word of God. Please don't get upset with what I'm about to say. Studying the word of God, for many of you, has become somewhat of a, a habit of just reading A psalm or a proverb and putting your Bible down and saying, well, that's good enough for me. Listen, reading a psalm and a proverb, I think, is very important. But there's a difference between reading and studying. Are you with me? See, when I was in college, my professors would say this. They would say one of two things. They would say, read for completion. And then they would say, the next book, read for understanding. What were they saying? One book I could skim read and sign the piece of paper at the end that said I read it. Reading for completion. Then there was reading for understanding. What did that mean? That meant there was going to be a 200-page exam. And I better know what it says. Read for for completion, read for understanding. Many of us, when we start our devotions, we say, okay, today I'm going to read this and this and this. And we read it, but we read it for completion. You know what I say when it comes to the Word of God? Don't read for completion, read for understanding. Read until God speaks to you. That might be one verse, that could be a hundred verses, It might be five minutes in prayer. It could be two hours in prayer. Listen, just let God help you understand what he needs you to understand for the day. God is not interested in completion. God is not interested when you get to heaven for you to say to him, oh, uh, uh, when when you get to heaven, he's not gonna look at you and say, how many times did you read the Bible through? I think it's important that we do that, but I don't think we're gonna be quizzed on it. I think he's gonna say, How much time did you spend with me understanding what I wanted for you? How much time did you spend seeking my will and understanding who I am? I think we get so caught up in reading plans and and all of this stuff that we forget to study God's Word. Are you with me? Listen, just be cautious. Don't read for completion. Read for understanding. Be diligent in the word of God. Education begins with the reality of God's existence and the fact that he has to, communicated to us through his creation, his word and his son. As we learn more of God's creation, our understanding of God's wisdom and power deepens. As we study God's word, we become more equipped for God's work. And then let her be. and you know it, not only to learn but to tell. To tell others. The disciples have learned many things from Jesus Christ and now he was sending them out to tell others what they had learned. Although we never stop learning and growing, we have the responsibility to share what we have already learned. The early church took this commission very seriously. The high priest accused the apostles of filling Jerusalem with the doctrine of Christ. The faithful witness of the apostles was widely effective in Jerusalem. And the book of Acts offers the continuing story of how the gospel began to spread Across the world. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8 and I'm done. But you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be what? Witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. Look at me church. The idea of being a disciple is what we all want to be. But the reality of it is, is that it is something that has to be worked on daily. It's something that has to be initiated in our hearts. And then it has to be applied daily. It's not going to be easy. And it's not always going to bring uh, amazing joy in our lives. But can I tell you something today? That if we will remain faithful... That God will see us through to the end. When we get to heaven, the very sentiments of God as we walk through. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?